Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. This is Golf Bunny. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast where you're having a really good day and then somebody splits over your head and your daughter steps out. <laughs> that's, an ex- that's, that's an Excedrin headache. <laughs> yeah. Hey, not fortunately, bad for the world for that one. Yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't happen every month. Oh, <laughs> it's a chronic condition. Yeah. Welcome to the TriTech Games podcast. Uh, this week we are talking about Bureau Thirteen and what life is like on Mountain Olympus and Asgard. Duat. And what was the other one? Do what? It's it. It sounds like something you'd say as you were like doing a dance. I looked it up. It's do ought. Do ought. How you spell it? D U A T. Okay. That sounds sketchy to me. It's a translation to English for, you know, by some English guy. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In other words, it's another language that's actually dead. No one knows how to talk it. So, someone made a made a word up in English to, to correspond to a word in an entirely different alphabet and language. It's not exactly a dead language. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, okay. So, uh, the reason for this topic is that I, first of all, I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time. Uh, and we're talking about it in reference to Bureau 13 because in Bureau 13, there's a, a if you look into the list of the possible encounters, there's a number of encounters. One says Forgotten Gods. One says old gods. One says, uh, I don't think there's one for lost gods, but there's, uh, maybe there is. Any small gods? No, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's an entirely uh, uh, different mythology. <laughs> you got to be careful of that one, Bruce, using mythology, because there are still active adherents of the Norse religion. Yes, right. it's called... And it's called Asatru, A-S-A-T-R-U. And the Egyptian and the Greek. Yeah. And we're not talking about the North American beliefs because, well, there's too many of them and, well, we're ignorant. Yeah, well, we are talking about the mythological parts of religion, okay? So, you know, nothing nothing that's happened recently need apply. Yeah. Uh, It's the stuff to make movies out of, okay. Yeah, well, especially because of what they do with movies. In the Bureau 13 game, it is possible for you to run into people of various mythologies. And the question always arises is, hey, 
are the gods still up on Mount Olympus? Or, uh, hey, you know, where is the Bifrost Bridge attached to Midgard, which is Earth? You know, strangely that Midgard is one planet and it's like a whole thing. But anyways... Uh, one of the nine realms. Yes. Yeah, it's one of the nine realms, but it only goes to one... But, the, uh, but you only seem to have one planet that matters in it. So <laughs> yeah. anyways, so the point is, is that, you know, in these adventures, you run into things. And I've already written a number of adventures that it took place. Uh, in uh, The Aliens Among Us, um, I had an adventure that, took, that included Eros, otherwise known as Cupid. And another adventure took place where it had Medusa in it. I'm sure there's some other adventures that I'm not aware of, you know, that other people have written and possibly published. So the the point is, is that there are opportunities for these characters to come in. And when you when it happens, your players are going to be asking questions like, well, hey, you know, if can we go to, you know, uh, or maybe we have a reason to go to. Olympus, you know, uh, what about those uh, golden apples? Is it possible for us to get our hands on them? And if we if we do, what benefit do we accrue by it? You know, it, are the dwarves still available to make things in the heart of stars, and so we can have some absolutely kick butt weapons that we can use during our Bureau Thirteen uh, adventures and investigations? Because you know, sometimes we're up against stuff that's pretty darn hard. It'd be nice to have something that was forged in the heart of a star to help us out. Beware the Nimbalung, because they make they they make stuff that you do really don't want if you if you're familiar with the ring with the ring cycle. Yes, and they, and then gimbals and gyres too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's why I wanted to talk about it. Like you know, from the best uh, we can tell from the mythologies that exist, what you know, what are is, is life like? on those places and how, you know, what kinds of things could, could Bureau 13 interface with those particular realms? How do you get to those realms? You know, all that kind of stuff. That's what we want to talk about tonight. Okay. First, though, I do want to introduce our guest. You've heard her talk. All right. Those of you who have known now for about the past half year or so that we have had Pixie with us, Josie Mulcahy. Tonight, a guest here. You can thank slash blame for Pixie. She is the newsreader on my show. She, along with Josie, are in all of my gaming groups. Ms. Colleen Mulcahy, a.k.a. Goth Bunny. Good evening. Good evening. Yes. Whether you blame her for me at all or whatever, you can also blame me for her. <laughs> or at least my alcohol abuse. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, the reason you why we're very straight. You yeah. abuse it. Oh, no, that no. Fly I, it all over that's right, yeah. But no, Colleen has a vast interest in mythology and religions, you know, accrued along with her bachelor's in history from the University of Toledo. So she wanted to sit in on this tonight. So we're going to have her input on this. And I have not run Bureau 13 games with them yet. I've been focusing mainly with Fringeworthy, so this will be a bit of a learning experience for them both. So, well, yeah, I haven't yeah. I haven't really exposed you two to Bureau 13 yet. But I have a massive interest in being exposed to it. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd like to be. I need to get the You're interested in traffic exposing, in exposing himself to you. Okay, all right, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> you mentioned the benefit of golden apples. Yes. Well, one well, of the benefits of golden apples is immortality. And the gods treasure those golden apples very much. Mortals are not supposed to have them. 
And and if I remember correctly, um, Olympus is an actual physical place on Earth. Well, yeah, it's yeah, in it Greece. Is. Okay, Josie, yeah. you're about to say. Well, Mount Olympus is. That's not necessarily the same thing. Uh, actually, within the mythology, it is. I understand what you're saying. Okay, guys, just a second. Josie. What? Basically, it'd be far more likely for them to try getting the team to get them back. What, using the gods using human agents to retrieve them? To retrieve them. Yes. <laughs> like if, if the golden apples are stolen, then yes. they would use mortal agents to go mortal retrieve those to go and golden apples. Them. Put them on a quest, basically. Yes. Okay, that would be a cool adventure. It would be, yeah. Retrieving the golden apples? Yes. Who wants them back? A private party. <laughs> a private party. Yes. Uh, we, we, we have a request that came to the Vatican via some other route, and we need to retrieve something. You know, you know, basically, Catholic religion is the Roman religion only with saints instead of gods, but, you know. Or maybe some other agent wants you to go steal ambrosia from the gods. Or a certain bit of wool. Or a certain bit of golden wool, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. Golden fleece. Yep. Yeah, All right. I love that, that story. All right. So, which uh, pantheon set of mythos are we going to tackle first? Well, actually, I'm thinking we probably we actually two we could probably cl- lay claim to in North America, the Norse and the Roman, because there's been a lot. Of, I was looking to decide, okay, what's what's out there for Rome Romans in North America? It turns out there's some controversy over a site found in Canada, so it's quite possible. Especially in Bureau 13, where all stories are true, except when the GM says they're not. Um, there's an old buried Roman temple somewhere in the Appalachia. Ooh, nice. So they're in the northern part of the eastern mountain range of the U.S. Okay, I do think I remember hearing something about that. Can you give us a little bit more exact location, John? Oh, this actually is in Canada. I mean, actually, go back and look at. I, I actually have it. There we go in my uh, in my Google search. There it is. Uh, it's taking place. Yes, they found a horde of, and this is taking place in. Get the location, Oak Island in Nova Scotia. They found a horde of swords and coins from Carth- Carthage. And stuff like that, which, which puts it around, which puts it pre, you know, uh, two uh, one hundred to about to between two hundred one hundred BC. Wait a minute, Oak Island, the one island with that massive chasm with the multiple layers of oak, and it was supposed to hide a treasure. That Oak Island is found in a shipwreck. Like that yeah, that, that Oak Island. Oh, I didn't know anything about Roman Wait, stuff being found there. Neither did I. I only knew about a treasure supposedly buried there, and they keep people keep going in looking. Yeah, I know. They've spent decades and millions yeah. of dollars trying uh-huh. to unearth this, and it and keeps flooding. It it's totally separate, but yeah, the the coinage basically says it looks like it dates between somewhere between fifteen hundred and eight and one one eighty A.D., which is a really big area. So I'm saying, if it's involving Car- coins from Carthage, it's somewhere around. I would say, let's say. It's it's pre 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 one hundred BC. How's that? That's close enough. You know, we're we're Americans. We don't worry about foreign foreign history. Uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, if there's if that, you know, I I can you can make a case. A trireme or something like that gets blown off course. Though based on the way the ocean currents go and the prevailing winds, they more likely would end up in Florida than they would up in Nova Scotia. Yeah, you're right. They would. Yeah. 
But yeah, you can make a case that somewhere along the eastern seaboard, there's an old Roman colony with an intact uh, temple to some god. Uh, I'm trying to what god would be appropriate for lost Romans? It wouldn't be Zeus. He wouldn't give it. He wouldn't give a, a rat's patootie. <laughs> well, if it's along the coast, but it'd be Poseidon. Could be Poseidon. Yeah, Poseidon or or um, Hermes is for travelers. If I remember correctly. Yeah, so either Poseidon or, or Hermes. He's also the messenger of the gods, so Mercury. Yeah. people people who are on quests. Yeah, yeah, it would be Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. Yeah, it actually could be all those. It could be both of those. I mean, I can see one for Poseidon, one for Mercury. You know, because they need to get back home, and yeah, and there and there's this temple, and it's a uh, lost temple, and we all know what happens when you go into a lost temple. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, what does this tell us about Olympus? Well, yeah, it's geography, uh, 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 Colleen. Because uh, everything I read says Olympus is the mountain. And they lived in the various ravines and so forth. They all had, each one of the 12 Olympians lived on Mount Olympus in 12 different ravines and valleys. And that's where everything was. It, they were physically on the earth. They were not up in some little cloudy, fairy, airy spot. They were physically living on the earth. They lived atop Mount Olympus, the, the actual mountain, which right. is the change in the Olympic, uh, Olympic mountain. All right. And so the question arises saying, okay, so if I go up to the top of Mount Olympus today, how come I don't see Mount Olympus? All right. I mean, it's certainly in the Bureau 13 world, if you went to the top of Mount Olympus, would you see Mount Olympus? And the answer to that would be, no, you would not. Unless okay. you truly believed in those gods. Yeah, and that's exactly it. So let me go and tell you a little story. Okay. And, the sto- and the story is about, uh, is, is a story called Peter Pan. Peter Pan lived in Neverland. Where is Netherland, I ask? Does anyone know? In Peter's head. That's right, in Peter's mind. And so Peter lived in a physical location that existed in his own mind. He would go out and travel across the sea until he found, you know, Netherland, which was actually in his own mind, which was, this this was in the book, Peter Pan. So therefore, it's possible for you to enter into a pseudo-reality or a shadow reality that overlays an existing place on the planet. Coterminous demi-plane, yes. Right, but only if you believe in that particular reality. And that... uh, and that might be a very good reason why we don't see them there is because all the people who believed in the gods as being real and all that, they disappeared. They're gone. Uh, unless, of course, there's a few that still remain in the Bureau 13 world. And so, therefore, they're the only ones who can either go to Mount Olympus or conduct people to Mount Olympus. And if there's really none left, the gods might be trapped in that demiplane. They may not be able to come out because there's no longer the connection between their version of Mount Olympus and the what we call the real world. Yeah, the tether that ties them to the real world is gone because no one believes in them anymore. They're worshippers, yeah. Their power. Now, would this key into the thing, and Bruce, you've probably seen this in role-playing games as you too, John. A god is only as powerful as the number of worshippers he has. If a god has millions of worshippers, Oh no, he can move mountains. If he's got maybe a small village that 
that worships him, eh, yeah, he's still powerful, but at the most, he might be able to heal a sick kid, then he has to rest for a day or two. I've seen a lot of stories like that, where the gods don't have enough power if they don't have enough worshipers to right. them. They're very weak yeah. if they don't have a whole. Yeah, and the thing is, though, there, there is there is one god, though, who can get in and out of Olympus. We may, or he said his name, Hermes slash Mercury. He's the only one actually can leave. leave in fact, he, in fact, reading up on him, he's the person who ushers the dead to uh, Hades. He does, yeah. So he's the only one who actually can get, can, can get out. And Hades is also a physical physical place. On the entrance to Hades, or yeah, still Hades in both in both in both mythologies. I think it still is a physical place on Earth. So somewhere in somewhere in in Greece, there's the mouth to Hades, right? But only if you are actively participating in the mythology, or someone like Hermes is giving you a ride, which is pretty much the same thing, John. He's, he's basically he's his 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 reality is overriding your own. We talk about this in, in Bureau Thirteen and what we refer to as alternate reality sets, where a being can exist in a different reality than everybody else, and different rules and different laws of physics and everything else, to the point where things, certain things, don't even exist around them. You, you know, bullets don't. You know, modern weapons, anything modern may not. It just becomes like a toy or an object because it doesn't exist for that person. He ha- that he or she has no concept of what that is, and therefore it simply does not exist. Oh, so you're saying that Olympus runs on Aristotelian physics? That's I don't want to go there. That's dangerous. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that at all, John. I'm just simply saying that, you know, uh, because, I mean, what all we really know is what's in the stories, okay? And in the stories, we know that, for example, is that the gods – you know they're more like big sacks of, of 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 flesh because they can stuff their progeny inside, and the progeny might be a little bit cranky about it, but they don't seem to suffer any real lo- you know detriment to it because later on a lot in, in in a lot of these stories they get released and they're fine. They might even be older. Yeah, Titan. Yes, the Titans, and they actually are residing within Hades. They actually they're in Tartarus. They- Basically, that's where Zeus, you know, Zeus slash Jupiter dispatched uh, grandpa, you know, dad and his and his kin. Again, if you go look, uh, watch some of the other movies, he's all chopped up. And so that's the reason he hasn't come back is because he literally can't pull himself back together again. And of course, in other mythologies, he's the king of Tartarus. Kronos is his uh, Zeus's father. So, yeah. Or Saturn, if you want to go with the Roman name. Yeah. Yeah. And right. in other stories, Cronus is all, was all chopped up, and he basically formed the Earth with his body. Right. So when we, so in the case of Olympus, okay, uh, up up there on Olympus, all right, is, is um, are there like lots and lots of human servants taking care of the gods, or are all the servants um, automatons, or are they, um, you know, a uh, you know the children of the gods. You know, ha- you know, pu- you know, three quarter quadroon quadroon gods. You know, the, the, uh, what makes you, you know what gets you up there to to Mount Olympus to stay there? Is it just a you did something nice and the gods say okay now you can stay on Mount Olympus for the rest of your life and have kids and and, and replenish the uh, the servant population? I would think that yeah, if you have done a great service to the gods, the ultimate boon would be, yeah, come on up. You're good. Just 
if you if you've done a great service, you go to Elysium. Yes, you go to Elysium, and you have a and you're given the option to reincarnate. And if you and if you reincarnate three times, and every time you end up in Elysium, you go to the Isle, Isles of the Blessed, which is in Elysium, and live out and live in eternal paradise at that point. Hmm. <laughs> so you didn't answer my question, John. Who's doing the servanthood up in the uh, in Mount? And what are they? I don't know. They're probably demigods, like Heracles. Yeah, demi. Yeah, Heracles, demigods. Well, well that, that, that's, a, that's a half god, half human. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or there were the equivalent of, I want to say, you know, not gods, but not people. I don't want to use the word angels because they really, that's really Christian, but. Uh, angels and demons are actually Egyptian. Ah. <laughs> yeah, but basically, the, the, but they're equivalent of, well, servants. They're basically, they weren't divine beings, but they weren't, they were beings without souls. To me, that sounds like an automaton. But those are, that's a different thing. That's something that Hephaestus would make. Yeah, Hephaestus would make uh, automaton. Yeah, but no, these are, these are things like, you know, they're just, they're servants. They're probably fashioned from clay and given the breath of life, but they have no soul. Oh, like Galatea. Yeah. And uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Right. Now she's right. Wonder Woman, you know, is like, you know, depending upon the theology, was basically fashioned from the the earth and the and the sea and, and foam and stuff. And she's not she's she's not uh, even no matter how how hot she looks, she's not actually a human being. No, she's not. And they're and possibly not able to reproduce. And I'm just looking at I'm looking at the wiki page for the Greek underworld, which pretty much applies to the to the Roman underworld, was probably named James Chains's. But uh Tartarus is for the worst of the worse. Yep. <laughs> you've peeved the gods, you've you you have gone against the gods, therefore you're going to Tartarus. Otherwise, if you just hurt people and done bad things, you go to the fields of punishment, which Hades operates. Otherwise, if you're so sort of like I'm not really great. Not really bad, I'm just, you know, meh. You go to the fields of Ashfodel. It's not like, you know, you can go to Elysium, but you're not going to the underworld. You're not going to Hades either. You just sort of like... You're a garden variety humanoid. Yes. <laughs> Nine yeah. to five jobber, yeah. as Bobby the Brain Hidden used to call You were just kind of there. You just, yeah, uh, well, you were taking up space. <laughs> I mean, it could be so worse. Here. You could be left to wander the river sticks because somebody didn't put two coins on your eyes. Well, yeah. No, actually, it's a coin under your tongue. Or your yeah. tongue, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but back to Olympus, John. Back to Olympus. So the sun comes up, okay? It's a new day, and you awaken in Olympus, okay? Clearly, you're not one of these servants fashioned out of clay. Or maybe you are, but let's assume that you're not, you know, that, uh, that you wake up. So what do you do in Olympus? I look up at Apollo with his flaming chariot because that's what he is. He's the sun. Yep. He's the sun. Don't look too close. Yeah, Apollo. Apollo has a really early rising job, which makes it tough to be also, you know, the you know a, a party guy. But yes, okay. So Apollo is rushing across, either pulling the the sun or he is the sun. Yes, but you you wake up and what do you do? That's a good question. Um... Okay, uh, uh, Goth uh, Bunny, why don't you tell me what you think you would do? 
depends on what you want to do, really. Well, what do you want to do? What do you think? You're a god. You're a, or a, a demigod or a worthy person who the gods are allowing to stay at Olympus. What's, what's there to do? Feasting, golden apples and ambrosia, and yeah. nectar. Well, we already said that the, that the, the golden apples, probably you ain't getting any of that. Well, if I'm <laughs> residing in Olympus, yes, I am. It's just the people on Earth that don't get to have them. Mortals don't get to have them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're on Olympus, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to live forever. Those, that's the, what the gods get. But yeah, but okay. I, I don't, I don't want to make too much of a point of it. I'm just saying. He said, I'm, I'm totally behind the ambrosia stuff. Ambrosia and the golden apples bestow immortality. Okay. Too. Yes. Okay. They have to eat the ambrosia like every day. I thought ambrosia was a drink. I thought that was the drink. Oh. The nectar of the gods. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Sorry. All right. Well, here, here's here's this. I mean, I don't want to be sexist about this, okay? But there's lots and lots of artistic crafts that are probably going on all the time. I mean, there's huge tapestries that are being woven, you know, uh, of the history of the gods and the and the great deeds of the of the children of the gods and the demigods. And so there's certainly an opportunity to get in on being part of that. The looms, making all the tapestries. Yeah, that would be yeah. Cool, actually, I would. Yeah, I would to learn how to work a loom. Yeah, okay. I'm not talking about just the people who like make linens and stuff. That's for the that's for the clay people. I'm talking about you know where you get to really show your artistic bent when you know by making these kinds of things. Well, also you got goddess either Ceres or Demeter, who is busy. She's got a farm going. She's growing stuff. She's a farmer. And she has all, all her and all her kids out there working the farms properly. Uh, so what's what's she growing? Everything, really. She's growing everything. She's probably okay. like crossbreeding different plants and stuff. So you think that the food that's eaten uh, in Olympus probably comes from Demeter's farms? I would imagine probably, so. Yeah, I would imagine. And all the pigs too, because they love their pork. Oh yeah, roast pork, pork on a stick. Yep. Probably some fetal pig, you know, all that stuff. Yum. Uh, Athena's busy tending her library. Yep, Artemis is busy with the hunt. Well, and not not just the library. Uh, I th Athena is going to have a training ground, but only for female warriors. Oh yes, that's right. And 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 helping out would be would be Artemis Diana uh, with the with the archery and with the animals. There's a lot of cross. There's a lot of cross pollination between some of the goddesses there. Well, sure, it's it is a city. These people are not going to be in their little enclaves and just like looking over at somebody right. going, "Why don't they do what really should be done?" Like what I'm doing. What I'm doing is the best. This is the best right here. You know, no, I'm sure that they're all you know participating. They're visiting. Someone goes over and says, "Hey, you need you know." D Diane says, "You need more fruit." You know, in this, or you know, or Artemis is going, hey, you know, let's let's put a an arrow motif over here, or you know, put that up yeah. there. I'll shoot some arrows and tack it up on the wall real fast. Since this is a PG uh, PG rated podcast, Venus slash Aphrodite, she's helping make more demigods. <laughs> yeah, but then again, so Zeus, so you know, yeah, well. Considering the fact that her husband, you know, is is the god of the forge, I don't think she's probably 
sleuting around that much in actually Olympus. I think it's probably more, unless she's trapped in Olympus, I suspect she's probably off, you know, in the world, um, spreading, spreading the word, uh, spreading the fame of the gods. In that case, so would Ares slash Mars. He's kind of ticked that he can't get down there and get involved with all that warfare going on. Or Yeah, Ares is the god of war. Yeah, yes. Athena was the goddess of battle, planned strategy. Mm-hmm. Ares was just go out and kill. Go out and kill. He didn't care who was Smack killing it. who. Collateral damage all. was his game. Just take out everything. Er, er, Athena was battle, where you actually are plotting and just not rampant destruction. So, yeah, I would say that Ares would probably be along the line if he was trapped. Yeah, what's the term? Chomping at the bit to get out yes. and cause trouble. Because that's what he likes. Yes, he would be. He, he would go in favor of both sides of the battle just to keep the like battle going. Like both sides against the middle, yeah. Yes. Just to keep the battle going. <laughs> so it's possible in Bureau 13 that there might be an adventure that's all about creating some kind of a passage for Ares to leave Mount Olympus. And we assume that since there are no worshippers of, of the Olympians, they're trapped. Except for except for Hermes Mercury. And I actually can imagine because as we said, all, all you know, you know, all these all these religions have their pantheons. I would imagine Mercury slash Hermes is also bearing embassy to the other pantheons. Probably, yeah. You know. He's going up to Asgard and saying, "Hey, how's it hanging?" You know, and uh, if he can, I think he could. He's Hermes. He's Mercury. He can. He's he's the messenger. He's the traveler. He can pretty much go wherever he wants to go. Yeah, I would think that he would get would get to Asgard without the Bifrost. I think he could do that. Yeah, I, he can get anywhere. He can go anywhere. He's got the wing sandals and all that stuff. He may have to talk to the gatekeeper you know, when he gets there, but, you know... He's Seinfeld, yeah. Seinfeld, yes. I think Hartwell would send him in. Yeah, I think they have a good working relationship. But, yeah, some of the same problems would be for the Egyptian gods, because some of the Egyptian gods, well, as you mentioned before, the uh, in the pre, pre-thing, the 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 goddess the goddess of the skies, whose name I've forgotten, is the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you look up, that's her. <sighs> Of course, unless of course, uh, unless of course, you know, you don't believe in that, and then therefore it's just the sky. So, 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 how far away is the sky then? Considering that the Egyptians thought the world was a bowl, not that far. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, if you if you got up, you know, was it? Did you have to go up a couple miles to actually touch the sky? You know. Don't think too hard. That's a naked goddess up there. Don't think too hard about it, okay? <laughs> skin is skin, John, unless you're saying that there's some areas of the sky that, 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 that for decency's sake, I should be avoiding. There's at least one black hole. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that much research on the Egyptian god, so um, uh, the, the Egyptians... You know, they. Uh, you said they just lived amongst the people, and they also lived in Duat. In Duat. Yeah, okay, so why don't you tell us what Duat's like, John? Says you're the only one who researched it. It's actually pretty much like the real world. It has actually had a lot of the same topography. It's basically a, a, a sort of a copy of the mortal world. 
because this is where people go to live in their afterlife. This is where all that stuff they pack in those tombs ends up when they make the transition and they pass the tests. You know, they 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 pass all the rigors and all the tests. This is why when you go into some Egyptian temple uh, tombs, they have the cheat the cheat sheet on the ceiling telling you what you have to do to to, to make it through all the tests and hopefully your 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 heart which is the source of your soul is lighter than maat's feather and if it is it's all it's all beer and skittles you get to go to aru and live out your life with all your servants everything of like that beer and skittles if, if your heart is if your heart is heavier than her feather you were rejected and eaten by Amit, the devourer of souls. Wow. But does that mean you're gone? It just means you're now a lost soul in Duat. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so you can't leave it ever again. So, yeah. If you're a lost soul in Duat, what's life like? Probably not very, very good. Not exactly. Depressing. Well, I mean, John, do you know? I mean, is there any information on this? It's basically they're actually tormented by all the various beasts and critters that live there. You know the the uh, oh what we got here we got Anubis, Thoth, Horus, Hathor, Maat, and you also have all the other great beasts and demons and so forth. And it's basically it's just torment for them because yeah you weren't worthy. Guess what we get to do with you? We get to play with you. In that particular place, if you don't pass the test to go on to the nice place it's basically a kind of a free for all, you know, every day is, you know, you just, you, if you're unlucky, then you get found by, you know, a a critter who plays with you and hurts you and then tosses you aside. And I assume that it doesn't kill you actually doesn't destroy you. And so you, you get better until, and then somebody else, something else finds you. So constant torment, right? Well, I don't know about constant. I mean, it just, but it's, it's constant in the sense that it never ends. Never-ending torment is, is a lot different than constant. They have wonderful names which translate to blood drinker who comes from the slaughterhouse or one who eats the excrement of his hindquarters. I guess it doesn't stink is all I can say. <laughs> you know, I mean, given the choice, I think I would probably go for that. Yeah, hopefully you, you live a good life and you study the text before you died and you know what you need to do to make it through. Or you have big birds stand up for you. <laughs> yeah, you're basically stuck. Yeah. If it's eaten by a mot, you're stuck. Right. So, so like but, sort I, of really I, bad purgatory. I would think it'd be more tormenting for like the thing to play with you a bit, touch your side, let you think they're done for the day, and then something else jumps on you. Yeah, I think that would be right. It'd be more along the lines of that just whatever comes along, smacks you around a little bit, tosses you aside because they're bored with you, and then again, something else. Yes, Colleen? Okay, I got this about Amat. Okay. Once she swallowed the heart, the soul was believed to become restless forever. This was called to die a second time. She was, it was, she was sometimes said to stand by a lake of fire, and in some traditions, the unworthy hearts were cast into the fiery lake to be destroyed. Oh. So, yeah, there's a potential for being completely destroyed. Okay. I think basically if you put, if you put your heart on the scales and it goes wing and hits the ground, you're going to get tossed in the lake of fire. I do not want to die believing in the Egyptian pantheon because I have a very heavy heart. Yeah. Well, it, it, if they all got thrown into the lake of fire, then 
you know, then there wouldn't be any constant torment going on. So yeah. there, there has to be some gradations of, of, of yeah. punishment here. Well, like I said, here. it's in some traditions where they get thrown right, into right. the fire, like a right. fire, not all of them. I'm just—it's—it's it's just probably a percentage, you know. The really, really bad ones get tossed in the lake of fire. The rest of them just get tormented. Like all the, like all the Hitlers and all those ones get tossed in the lake. Well, actually, no. Unfortunately, usually when you consider when you consider people who are bad, it's usually bad in regards to the gods. The gods don't like people being bad to them. That's true. If you disrespect this for them, Hitler would just get his be restless and walking around. Uh, so uh, an atheist get tossed in the lake of fire because that dishonors the gods. Yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, because you know, what it really comes down to it, gods usually didn't care whether you were bad toward other people. They just cared whether or not you showed the proper reverence to them. Uh, yes. Yeah. So there, there was a, I mean, you could be a real monster and just, you know, abuse people, but it's, as long as you amassed a lot of wealth and you made a lot of sacrifices, then in, in a lot of the God's eyes, you were good. And, you know, and literally good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. And like, and like, and like the, 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 the Greco-Romian pantheon, the, the various Egyptian gods also had a lot of assistance, but a lot of them, these were more, let's say we can put a nail on. They mostly were, were Anubis would be also attended by uh, other Ibis headed, no dog headed or no jackal headed. Gets right. Gets right. Head. Anubis is the jackal headed. Yes. Yeah. Jackal headed servants. Uh, uh, which one was Ibis headed? Uh, I think that was Thoth. 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 Talking about bird bird headed, yeah, I think that was yeah, Thoth. that was Thoth, yeah, 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 Thoth, and 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 so on and so on and so forth. Each one would be tended by their own little retinue, yeah, and the uh, and of course and of course you have all the pharaohs who are gods up there that they also are Ra, so Ra is like a, he has this multi multi personality thing going on because he's every Egyptian pharaoh. Pretty much, yeah. The dude's like massive ego, times ten billion. Yeah. Oh, come on. The the guy has a has a heck of a bad job. Okay. Most, you know, whenever he's not doing that, he's up like in in the atmosphere fighting off some big giant worm. So you know, it's not oh, yeah. like it's not it's not all you know um, parties and and slaves, you know, um, <laughs> slaves and orgies and stuff. He's got a real job to do. If he doesn't do it, the world as we know it gets destroyed. The world as he knows it gets destroyed. I'm sorry, it's not Ra, it's Osiris. So, Osiris is the, bro- uh, is the brother of Isis. But Ra is the sun god. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. It's Osiris, yeah. Osiris, yeah. And it also, Duat is where the sun goes, where the sun god Ra goes when it's night. So when he's there, it's day, and when he's gone, it's night. That's right. And technically, Duat exists... Outside the normal world. Yeah. Okay. So it, it totally encompasses the the world and the universe and so forth, and yeah, it's 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 religion. I don't don't worry about. It. Don't, don't the Egyptians believed in at least three or four contradictory and uh, contradictory creation myths. If you're an Egyptian god, okay, it sounds like they don't actually have anything close to a community. It sounds like they all basically have each of their own refuge, their their own place where they each god pursues their own particular interests. And you can go from one to the other to the other to the other, 
you know, but it's not like they're together in a community like Olympus is. Actually, it says on the wiki of, of the Wikipedia for Duat, it is the residence of the other gods. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the, but like much like Olympus, there's they have different regions they live in. I would imagine. Yeah, just just because it's the residence of the god doesn't mean that they're together. They could be spread out over an infinite plane. Yeah. True. Yeah, since it's an alternate place of existence so yeah again a lot of my i don't know that much about the egyptians so most of what i know is actually being drawn from movies which is a terrible reference yeah. i'm sorry but i'm just saying is that, you know, they always seem to be going from like so-and-so's place to so-and-so's place or you know they're not actually you know going to you know the gleaming city like you know like asgard or uh like olympus so uh and and so when I ask the question of like when you get up in the morning, you know, and you're in, you know, the Egyptian pantheon, uh, what's it like? Well, first of all, we're we have to make a distinction between the gods that are living in the god realm and the ones that, of course, that are living on the earth, you know, amongst yeah. ourselves. Do the the greater gods? Do, they don't mostly do that. It's really just the lower gods, right? That the lesser gods that live amongst the uh, the mortals. I'm sorry, I think it would be yeah that because a lot of the stories that I read about the Greek ones, um, the lesser gods were um, not as prevalent in Mount Olympus as the higher gods were. But mm -hmm. Zeus loved to travel down. It, it, oh yeah. yeah, no, 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 not and not questioning that at all. Zeus was 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 the you know he he Zeus was the king of the booty call. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Zeus was the king it's of the true. booty call. <laughs> As I said, though, Zeus has found out these days that turning into a swan is not the turn on it used to be. Yeah, and, that, he, he has to go to a furry con these days. And and that is like total different meaning for golden shower. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah, entirely different <laughs> meaning for that. Not. It's hey, that's how that's how we got Perseus. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. There is. No, no, there is. There's a you story about the golden shower. Story all the time. He's described <laughs> himself as a bull. Yeah. A shower of gold. Yes. A golden shower, not a golden shower. Uh, but back to the Egyptians. I mean, you have things like the the uh, the god Geb. Egyptian god Geb, he's the earth. Yes. Yes. Shu is the personification of air. The sun god Ra is said to travel through the sky across the body of Nut, spelled nut, yes. enlivening the world with his light. At night, Ra passes beyond the western horizon into the Duat, mm -hmm. a mysterious region that borders the formless list of Nun. Yep. At dawn, he emerges from the Duat in the eastern horizon. Yep. Straight from Wikipedia's Egyptian mythology page. So it's yep. got to be true. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's true, for some it's true for some people. Well, it's hey, on the internet, so it must be true. You know, I, I have long, in my Bureau 13 game, told them that everything that's in Wikipedia is in their laptops. So <laughs> and we, just, we just treat it as if it's true, you know. So if you can find it in Wikipedia, okay, and, and, you, and you didn't need 15 minutes to make sure it was there, those of you who know that reference, uh, <laughs> then, uh, uh, then you, we can basically say it's true, you know, as far as the game was concerned, but oh, yeah. Okay. So if you're, if you're out, if you're in the realm of the gods, of course, first of all, again, this is a God. Okay. So he could be walking around the earth just like a normal person, but he's probably, 
this is probably another one of those alternate reality things where, um, you know, where there's stuff going on. I mean, it's, it's, it looks like earth, but there's some different rules in place wherever the God has decided to hang his or her hat or, or laurel or whatever it is that they, they wear on their heads. And I think the laws of human physics just would not apply to the God realms. Well, well I, the gods make those realms. Yes. It's their yeah. rules. Yeah, yeah. No, it's their rules. Yeah. Home court advantage, I believe the term would be. It would be a shining example of, like, Earth, Earth architecture is a reflection of the god realm. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't I don't know about the Egyptian gods. Can the Egyptian gods be killed because they were in that movie, you know, the the, the gods of Egypt? That was a good movie though. Um yeah. you know, I'm not sure what the myths are about Egyptian gods being killed. I would think that gods they would be a little more vulnerable on Earth. Again, do that home court advantage. You try well, first of all, if you're trying to kill a god in his home. That's not a good place to do you, it. What, what's that term like? What was that from um, Artemis Gordon? You win first prize. No. <laughs> you, I mean, if, if Osiris decided to walk the earth, I mean, would he leave behind patches, you know, grassy footprints as he walked on the ground? I mean, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Maybe he would. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, and could you kill him? Uh, considering that Osiris is probably has more life force in him considering how many hundreds of, of people have died and reinforced him over the years in terms of pharaohs uh he's even on the earth he'd be a, he'd be he'd be a boss monster you would you would never want to fight at that point okay but but aside from the god of life itself okay some of the other gods okay would they would are they killable or you know uh in not stories, yeah or, or you know, or can you wound them and they have to retreat? I mean, it's it, it, inquiring minds. I'm sure want to know because depending upon you know what happens, then you're going to you know have to use different tactics. Because uh, I, I, I and I just did this literally yesterday in my Bureau 13 campaign, which I started up again, uh, and they were up against uh, basically um, it, it was a. Um, I forgot what they called it, something of Osiris. And it was a, 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 a dead guy that they had raised kind of to a partial immortality. And they just couldn't understand the fact that the, what, no matter what they did to him, he just wouldn't lay down and die. Yeah, actually, that sort of falls in because the Egyptian gods are different from the other gods in that they die on a regular basis. Osiris, when, the, when there's a pharaoh, he's Osiris. And then when he dies, he becomes Osiris. And then his ki- then his heir becomes Osiris. So the answer is, can they die? Yes. Yes, they can. But that's not really answering my question, John. And they come back. They basically die and regenerate. They cut, die and come back. They die and come back. Ra dies every time he crosses it through noon and back to Duwa. He dies, and he comes back. You basically, the answer: Can you kill him? Yes. Were they say dead? No. <laughs> All right. Well, and, and, and to go back to my story, what I, essentially I finally had to get across to them that what they had to do is they had to basically stake this guy down to the point where he couldn't move. And then he was, and then they were safe from him. He just lay there and growl at them. 
<laughs> and that was it, you know. And they, it, it, it took it, uh, it. It did turn out he was flammable, but then even so, he was still not being consumed by the fire. He was just burning. His skin was blackening, and things like that were happening because he was dry and par- and his skin was parchment like. But the the it would really take a real bonfire to finally put a, put an end to him. So they ended up having, as I said, staking him to the ground, literally to the ground, with knives and daggers and stakes and anything else to get their hands on just puncturing through his body to the point where he couldn't pull himself free. And then they were like, okay, now let's do some other stuff, you know, and, and taking all kinds of abuse in the meantime, getting all torn up as a result. But that was, that, that was how they dealt with him. And maybe that's what you have to do with gods that literally can't be killed. At least but they can't be killed by mortal means. I mean, gods can kill other gods. Or weapons forged by other gods wielded by mortals. Can be killed, can kill gods. Yes. Yeah. But then you run into, of course, as we said, their alternate reality set, such as the Egyptian gods. I mean, the Egyptian religion is about dying and moving on and coming back. And the Egyptian gods, on a regular basis, die on a regular basis. So their set is, go ahead, kill me. I'll come right back. Yeah. <laughs> Not a problem. <sighs> You know, they'd rather not die, but you know, you know, but you know, the thing like like Ra, he dies every time he goes in, he goes into the earth. Okay, yeah, John, John, please let me elaborate on that. Uh, again, from the Egyptian mythology page on Wikipedia, Ra's movement through the skies and the Duat are not fully narrated in Egyptian sources, although funerary texts like the Amduat Book of Gates and Book of Caverns relate the nighttime journey, half of the journey, and sequences of vignettes. This journey is key to Ra's nature and the sustenance of all life. In traveling across the sky, he brings light to the earth, sustaining everything. He reaches the peak of his strength at noon and ages and weekends as he moves toward sunset. In the evening, in the evening, Ra takes the form of Atum, the creator god, oldest of all things in the world. Uh, at the end of the day, he spits out all the other deities who he devoured at sunrise. Here they represent the stars. And the story explains why the stars are visible at night and seemingly absent during the day. At sunset, Ra passes through the Aket, the horizon in the west. At times, the horizon is described as a gator door that leads to the Duat. At others, the sky goddess Nut is said to swallow the sun god so that his journey through the Duat is likening to a journey through her body. In funerary texts, the Duat and the deities in it are portrayed in elaborate, detailed, and widely varying imagery. These images are symbolically awesome and enigmatic nature of the Duat, where both the gods and the dead are renewed by contact with the original powers of creation. Indeed, although Egyptian tick Text avoids saying it explicitly. Ra's entry into the Duat as seen as his death. Yeah, understand. We're talking a mythology that's three thousand years. Basically, existed for over three thousand years. It was active for three thousand years. So negative one thousand to current. Yeah, two thousand. Basically, the Egyptian pyramids collapsed around when when Egypt fell. At that point, so I would say about time of Christ. It more or less was it was dead, being taken over by the very Semitic religions at that point. And, and this is why we say things like all stories are true, meaning that you get to, that you as the GM get to pick and choose what pieces of this mythology make sense to you in your game, in your adventures, and you don't have to worry about the parts that don't make sense to you. You can actually ignore them and just say, well, those are just stories, but this is the real deal. And the next GM can do it completely different, and that's perfectly fine. Yep, that is perfectly fine. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, like I said, basically Egyptian is the most complex of them because it's a three thousand. It basically lasted for three thousand years, and it went from a 
more or less basically agrarian religion to the thing it turned into to where, the, to where it's in. <laughs> so it's very complex. Um, it's vision people written who lived by the Nile and uh, lived and died by the Nile and basically um, lived by its cycles. Most people in, in, throughout human history have lived within 20 miles of their birthplace. So, yeah, if they live by the mile, Nile, they died by the Nile. Because that was the source of the water and, and uh, that fed the crops, and they had to live by the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When we think of the Egyptian empire, it really didn't stretch. When it stretched far, that's when it got in trouble. For the most part, it was the upper and lower Nile. Because all the water... That, that in the Nile actually uh, originates like in Nairobi, uh, not right, yeah. Nairobi, Nigeria, in the mountains of Nigeria. And so it's that huge mass of, of jungle that was there. And that's why all that silt came pouring down the river, because it was coming from that enormous biomass that was in the, 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 the more southern part of, um, of Africa. Yeah, and that, that's another reason why Egypt, for most of its history, was about... 30 miles wide and yeah. a thousand miles long or however long the, the Nile is. And that's perfectly fine. You have it. I mean, that's a huge, that seriously, John, that's a huge amount of area. Okay. For, I mean, and, I mean, there was, there wasn't that long ago when there was only a million people on the planet. Okay. So, I mean, if they yeah. had 30, if they had 30,000 people living on along the Nile, that was a, ginormous civilization in comparison to the rest of the world that was small tiny villages across vast empty plains inhabited by a lot of ferocious creatures you know uh, that were completely natural you know unless of course you throw in mythology we got to bring in burial 13 so what would be hooks for a, a burial 13 adventure dealing with the egyptian gods and don't say mummies <laughs> no yeah, because no. that's the default. Come on, if yeah. you throw mummies in, just said you're not even trying. If I was an, Egy uh, an Egyptian god, okay, especially one that wanted the Nile to return, the first thing I would do is that I would go, I would look south and I would utterly destroy everything that has denuded all that biomass area I talked about. Bring that back. Okay, so that the Nile can then engage in its proper flow again, and yeah. which, which, by the way, would bury all of the modern, you know, because the Nile doesn't rise and fall like it used to. If it did again, then a lot of the uh, the modern urban area that is yeah. along the Nile would be gone. No yeah, I mean, literally, if, if we went back to the way it was in in, in, uh, in B, uh, uh, BC or before Common Era, uh, one thousand, then. You know, it would just wipe clean pretty much everything that is in that entire floodplain. Okay. Well, hey, they yeah. shouldn't live in a floodplain. <laughs> but that, but that was where the food was. Though so. taking down the granite, the Aswan Dam, which is what you're talking about, that's yeah. one of the things. Yeah, but it's one of the bigger ones, though. That's one that basically does the most damage. And in, in, in which god? Which god is the god of the Nile? Is that Osiris? Or, or Osiris? That would be Hapti, Happy, H A P I, Hapi. Nile God. He was the god of the annual flooding of the Nile in ancient Egypt. Thank you, Bruce. So, so the, like most dams, you're going to need something a bit more than hitting it with, hitting it with your onk <laughs> to take it down. Even you don't need to. I mean, there's modern explosives and such. Happy basically says, "I got a job." 
And uh, all that gold, you know, and all that stuff that's been given to him over the centuries. Okay, it's time to tip into that, you know, into the treasury and, you know, hire up a stateless group of guys and women to go and take out a dam that's that's basically in the way of him return of of the proper return. Okay. Blackwater. I I would jump on that. Well, you'd end up with a lot of Blackwater. That's for sure. Yeah. Because you know, he doesn't want to touch anyone in Egypt because they basically would go, no, we live with that's that 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 helps us. So he have to actually go out outside of Egypt to get that help, and go someplace that consider all these Egyptians to be godless. So he go to America. <laughs> or Russia. Or Russia. Yeah, that's true too. They spent a long time being, you know, trying to act like they were godless. Now, of course, and, and even now, they claim that that the churches are religious heritages. They're still not really laying claim to religion again. No, but the thing is, we want to include the bureau. So, some, you know, so he ends happy. What does happy look like? Uh, it says he, uh, that happy is androgynous. So happies can be both male or female. Or both. Actually, it's born a hurry female goddess of the River Nile. Yeah, yeah. So he looks like David Bowie. There, there's this model recently that was in the news uh, that looks very androgynous too. So yes, a real, real pretty, pretty boy girl. <laughs> yeah, like Colleen like just said, Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. She is. Uh, that's a, that's a real that's another good example. Yeah, she could definitely pull off happy. Yeah, yeah. Happy. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so I can see it. Yeah, so they, they go to goes to America and starts looking for. Uh, of course, has no idea what the what to do because it's you know happy so used. To, I'm I'm not going to refer to gender at this point. Happy so used to just simply yelling at his followers and they go do it. He's not quite sure what he needs to do. So here he is in in say New York City because that's where it ends up in, trying to find somebody to you know, blow up a dam. <laughs> Or just get rid of it somehow. Yeah, get rid of it somehow. Yeah. yeah I, the details. I'm not interested in the details. It's just do it. Yeah. So yeah, he definitely happy would definitely want to have best with him at this point. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why? Luck. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. So yeah. So there's happy in in you know New York City going around trying to def- figure out who to talk to. You know. Who to talk to? Does Happy speak English? Sure, it's a god. He, Happy's a god. Happy can find someone who can speak English. Happy can speak English. Or, or Happy, or Happy can learn English. Who knows how long Happy's been working working up to this? Or Happy communicates no matter what. Just that the flapping of the lips don't match the words you're hearing in your head. Yeah, I mean, all these stories about the gods, you know, are are are, are basically recorded at the time when. The people spoke the same language as the gods. The gods always speak the same language as the people that that are around them. So there's no reason to think, unless, of course, the gods have been separated from the mortal world for a period of time, that they wouldn't be able to speak the language. If it did, then, hey, you know, that's just something they're going to have to deal with. God's going to have to learn how to speak uh, speak English or Russian or whatever language they want to and and deal with that. That's that's a, a limitation that that's perfectly fine to have in this uh, in an adventure. Yeah, it is. That's a great limitation that the god has to somehow figure out how to understand this new language that they've never yeah. been exposed to before. 
Right. And of course, they 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 they, they go past the was it the Museum of History in New York City or no? Which one was it? It's doing a King Tut thing, of course. You know. Well, that's been everywhere. I know, yeah, but they think I can find someone here who speaks. He, he speaks my language, of course. He's speaking original Egyptian, right? Which no one speaks. Not even the experts speak, right? But you can read hieroglyphs. So yeah, he sits down and, or he or she, happy sits down, you know, and he's trying to trying to find somebody to help him make a damn go away and not get arrested by uh, Homeland Security. Yeah, why would Homeland Security arrest him for something that happened over in Egypt? Because he's a foreigner. But still, it's he didn't do anything to the America. Right, but exactly. He's a foreigner. Uh, but we have we have we have treaties with Egypt. Yeah, do we have treaties about this sort of thing? Probably. I don't know cuz every time Egypt is such a flaky place. It seems like every time I turn around there are enemies again. Uh, at the very least, at the very least, they probably put in a request to Interpol, and Interpol would then go contact Egypt, and Egypt would go, "He wants to do what? Can you yep. pick him up for us?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I hate to say, it, Interpol doesn't exactly have policing powers. All Interpol is is like a big information switchboard. Like that's drug, all Interpol is. Information and, and stuff like this. It's a clearinghouse. Yeah, but they still put the request through to, to you know to. Pull aside a guy for questioning. You know, if you can take him to the Egyptian uh, consulate, it'd be great. Of course, you're dealing with the god, the god of, of of the Nile, or more or less the god of rivers. And there he is in Manhattan. Also a deity of fertility. Yeah, so there he is in Manhattan by the Hudson. And what's the other river? East River. East River. Don't make him. Don't make him flood New York. <laughs> well, no. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. These gods walking around on Earth with the powers that they have, I mean, they're generally going to be super strong, super fast, super resistant to injury, oh, yeah. plus the powers of whatever that they hold, what whatever their, and I'll use well, the D&D, Deities and Demigods, their portfolio. Yes. Well, Happy would definitely have control over water. Very much so that means, and, and, and New York yeah. is an island surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean, the Long Island Sound, the East River, and the Hudson River. Anybody yeah. who messes with Hoppy in New York City is doomed. Yeah. <laughs> Unless, as we said at the beginning, the god's power is based upon the number of worshippers. In which case, yeah. maybe, maybe all he could do is maybe make a nice surf. Or make, like, yeah, make a nice surf, and that's about it because he doesn't have very many followers. Yeah, that's true. Or or, or he, he if he can get into the Hudson River, and of course he would then get out going, I was in that? Oh my god, I got wash. Uh... <laughs> Like I need disinfectant. Disinfectant. <laughs> but if he actually enters the water, he may actually have more powers because, well, he's in contact with the water. Yeah, yes, a little more power. He'd be doing that stuff like Imhotep did in the second Imhotep. Mummy movie, <laughs> where he just rushes that river through that canyon. Oh, that would suck heartily. Oh, that would suck, especially yeah. through the concrete canyons of New York. Oh. Yes. Yeah. A wave yeah. of freaking water like that? Oh my god. But in between the skyscrapers, that he could pull off. Yes, yes, he could. Yeah. Now having said having said that name, of course, that that kind of mummy is actually kind of okay because Imhotep was never killed. That's true, he wasn't. So technically that kind of mummy is okay. Well that's right, because he the rich and, and, and we'll and, and we'll use the water. pause before we say it, because they he was still juicy. juicy. <laughs> <He's> still... <laughs> 
This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.